chapter number 20. If you would turn there when you find it, let's go ahead and stand and honor the reading of God's word. Jeremiah chapter number 20. One of my favorite chapters, and it contains one of my favorite scriptures that we'll read here as part of our context today. Jeremiah, we know, is known as the weeping prophet and rarely seemed to get any rest from the calling of which God had laid upon his life to go and to plead with his people that they would repent and turn back to God before entering into captivity and destruction. And I believe that God has uniquely positioned the church in this day and age, in 2020, to do much of the same, to be uniquely positioned, uh, to cry out to our nation that they need to turn back to God. And this is what Jeremiah is doing in chapter number 19 and chapter number 20. He's paid dearly for it. He's been in the stocks. We pick up in chapter number 20, uh, in verse number 2, the Bible says, Then pasture smote Jeremiah. Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that they were high uh, in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. And then we get down to verse number seven. What I want you to see is where Jeremiah's heart is getting heavy and the burden of what God has called him to do is weighing upon him. And he cries out to God and he laments and says this in verse seven, O Lord, thou hast deceived me and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Our text this morning will be coming out of verse number 9, so pay close attention of what Jeremiah decides to do after all the persecution for doing the will of God and preaching the word of God. This is what he decides. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Let's pray together this morning and ask God to open our hearts to his word. Father, I thank you this morning for the privilege we have of being here at your house, Lord, today, and then on this special occasion as we kick off our missions conference. Father, thank you for the reach that you've allowed our church already to have all over the world with, Lord, so many missionaries that we have the privilege of supporting. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be stirred this week even more for missions. I pray, Father, that we would give of ourselves, of our time, of our resources to make sure the gospel gets around the world. And I pray that would begin even now in this service. I pray, Father, for every heart that's here, for those that are saved, that we would be stirred to serve you better. And Lord, for those that might be lost, stir their hearts to be saved today. And Lord, we'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The other day, our guys were in a tournament. I was very excited. This is the first tournament that we have been in uh, since I've been here as pastor. And I was trying to be over there for every game this week and try to be near the door when our guys would come out and encourage them a little bit. And our JV team came out preparing for a game. And I'm not going to call this player's name. And uh, he came out the door and I gave him a high five. I said, I need you to score 20 tonight. And he looks at me and he furls his brow. He says, score. He says, I don't even want to go in the game tonight. And our guys could probably figure out who that was after a little bit of uh, deductive reasoning. He's new to basketball, never played on the big stage of a tournament before, and his nerves were a little bit on edge at the thought of playing in a tournament. And not only did he not want to score, he did not even want to go in the game, period. He was content and completely satisfied with sitting on the sidelines during our basketball tournament. 
Well, after a while, our guys, as they always do, got up high, and the score was, uh, was in our favor tremendously, and it was time to bring in some guys who were sitting on the sidelines for a little bit, and I watched as our coaches called them out, and the young man who was not excited about going and playing, it was his turn to go out there on the court. Uh, he goes out there, just a few minutes, somebody passes him the ball, uh, and uh, surprisingly, he scored. And I watched him as he ran down the court, and they were fist bumping, and he was excited. And all of a sudden, the fear that he had uh, about having to play was overshadowed and totally erased from the fulfillment that he had of getting to play and getting to score. No longer was he worried about having to sit on the sidelines anymore. And as I was preparing for this morning, I, I thought about that young man, and I thought about how often that's the case for us when it comes to the will of God and serving God. So often we are content, like that young man, uh, to sit on the sidelines. We are perfectly content with not having to go out there on the floor and having to go out on the mission field, and uh, it scares us at the thought of having to actively serve God with our life. But I'll be honest with you, for those who do take the plunge and decide to serve God with their life, to serve God with their time, to give of themselves to be used of God, it's so often just the same case it was with that young man. So often you get out there and once you are serving God, getting to serve God erases the fear of having to serve God and you have a fulfillment from getting to do just that. I told you the story many times about a young lady at our church in Monroe. We were introducing soul winning to them and uh, one of our young ladies came up to us and she was scared to death. She says, I can't do that. I can't go and talk to somebody about the Lord. I don't mind giving out a gospel track. I don't mind giving, you know, a track to someone at a restaurant. But I, I just can't ask somebody if they died, were they sure they were going to heaven? And after a while, the Lord began to stir her heart for a coworker. And by the way, isn't it good that God burdens us about people that he puts within our reach? She called my wife one day and she says, okay, I'm worried that my coworker's not saved and I'm worried something's going to happen to her and I need to speak to her about the gospel. And so my wife was giving her pointers on how to do just that and I was sitting back on the sidelines a little bit, uh, listening on the conversation and lo and behold, she was able to lead her coworker to Christ. She sent me a text message that I have saved to this day on my phone. I want to show it to you. This is the text from her uh, that afternoon. I says, well done, I am one proud pastor she says, thank you, it's a pretty great feeling, just like you said it would be. Here's a young lady who was content for most of her Christian life to sit on the sidelines, and the fear of serving God was, uh, was overwhelming, but once she found out the fulfillment there was in getting off the sidelines and going to the front lines in our service to God, she found that the fulfillment erased the fear of having to serve God, and after a while she realized it was something that she got to do. But here's the problem. The problem is getting our people, those of us who name the name of Christ and who claim that our name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, the problem boils down to getting us off of the bench and out there on the front lines and to get discontented with being on the sidelines. I hate to tell you, we live here in the South, as I mentioned a moment ago, and so many of us are happy with sitting on the sidelines. We are relaxed. We take a relaxed approach to the will of God, and here's what I fear. I told my wife this yesterday. I fear that the great commission has become the great omission. 
The great mission for which God has called us, and by the way, the reason that he has left us here, he has commissioned us to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only to our Jerusalem, but to Judea and the uttermost parts of the earth, and we do that through mission. And if there's one thing that I believe we have left to go to the wayside, it's the great commission for which we're called to. We have been contented with sitting on the sidelines, and yet here we are this week, we're here at Missions Conference. Do you know what the root word of missions is? It's the word mission. There's so many of us as Christians, I believe, we have forgotten that we were left here with a mission. Look, folks, we have to work. We have school to go to, and our kids have things they have to do. But we can never let the circumstances of life and the commitments of our life to overshadow the commission and the mission for which God left us here. If there was not a mission, listen, he would have just beamed us up like Scotty and took us to heaven after we got saved, but he left us here because we have a mission. If there's one thing, though, that I believe we have overlooked, it's the fact that we were left here with a great commission that's become the great omission. You look up the word omission, it simply means this, to leave out, or a failure to accomplish something of a moral obligation. Now, folks, if there was ever a moral obligation... This morning, it's the obligation that we have to share with others what God has allowed us to find, and that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, if you had the key, the cure to cancer this morning, you'd have a moral obligation to share that cure. If you had the cure to the coronavirus this morning, first off, you'd be a millionaire, and that'd be exciting because I'd be glad when you tithe to missions off of the cure for the coronavirus. But if you had the cure to the coronavirus this morning, you'd have a moral obligation to take that cure to the the world who desperately needs it. But you know cancer and the coronavirus, all that they can do is they can take your physical mortal life. But the sin problem and the sin disease that our world has, it can not only, listen, take your life, but it can take your ever-living soul. And here we are as the church, as the people of God. Listen, if you're saved this morning, you have what they are needing, and you have what they are suffering from. I believe this morning, if there was ever a moral obligation, it's the moral obligation that the church has, that the Christian has, to get the gospel around the world. And we do that through missions. But unfortunately, the Great Commission has become the great omission because we are content with sitting on the sidelines. We sit on the sidelines of going, and we sit on the sidelines of giving. Don't ask me to go, and don't ask me to give. I'll give I looked at the statistic the other day, and I believe it was 2.5%. 2.5% is what the average Christian gives to foreign missions. We have a dollar here or there. But folks, can I tell you something this morning? We are omitting the mission for which God left us here to do because we're content with sitting on the sidelines. We want to watch everybody else do it. We want to watch this family go to New Zealand and this young lady go to the Dominican Republic and this family go to the Gallatin, Tennessee. Don't ask me to go. And we're omitting what God called us to do. Now this morning, if we're going to fulfill what God has left us here to do, not only individually but collectively as a church, we're going to have to get off the sidelines and make our way to the front lines. God may not call you to go to the mission field. Let me go ahead and ease your mind just a little bit. The majority of you, he's going to leave here, okay? I don't know, God's going to play duck, duck, goose this morning, and some of you might be the goose, and you end up uh, going over there to Malaysia or something. But by the way, if he did call you, it would be the greatest privilege of your life. 
The greatest privilege to serve God. No matter where God calls you, it's the greatest privilege to be able to serve God. Now hear me out. Most of you will get to stay here. But somebody's got to help these people get to where they're going. And we've got to get off the sidelines of giving and decide, I want to be on the front lines of giving. Now, folks, if God would bless us with what he requires of us. Remember a few weeks ago, we looked at the tabernacle. God gave them everything that he required them to give. If God would give us what is required to get these dear people to the mission field, would we commit to do it? Would we decide, I'm going to come off the sidelines and get to the front lines? And that's the message this morning. I pray that God will burden our hearts this week to go from the sidelines to the front lines. And here's the good news. God gave us a wonderful example of someone who, for a brief moment in their ministry, sat on the sidelines. Look down, if you will. Verse number 7 and verse number 8, Jeremiah calls out to God and begins to tell God how difficult it is to do what he's called him to do. He's been arrested. He's been put into prison. And Jeremiah's heart is burdened because of the persecution that he's facing for fulfilling God's will in his life. Verse number 9, we see something happen. Verse number 9 contains three things that I believe need to change for us to go from the sidelines to the front lines. And let's see what the first one is. Verse 9 says, And I said, I will not make mention of him. Jeremiah has faced a tough road for doing what God's called him to do. We read in verse number 3, verse number 2, and verse number 3 where he was put in the stocks in prison and constantly persecuted. And finally, he gets fed up. They're not listening. He gets fed up with going through all that he's going through to fulfill God's will. And he says in verse 9, that I said, I will not make mention of him. And here's what's happening. Jeremiah has decided that this is not for him, all right? He's decided at this brief point in his ministry that he's going to go sit on the sideline for a little while. Now, folks, I understand. Somebody asked me the other day, have I ever been discouraged? I can honestly say I've never been discouraged. 25 years of ministry, I've never been discouraged. I've been disappointed in people. I get disappointed on Sunday night when the crowd's smaller. I get disappointed on Wednesday night when the crowd's a little bit smaller. It takes a little bit of hit right here. Every time you see some empty pews that are out there, I'm just being honest with you. That's how I feel as a human. That's how I feel as a pastor. But I've never been discouraged. Discouragement's a rough thing. But discouragement and disappointment will get you to the place where you want to go sit on the sidelines. I watched some of our guys the other night. Uh, there were taller guys that we played in basketball, uh, and some of those guys were beating our guys all around the, the box. I mean, it was rough. Some of those guys had eaten their Wheaties. Some of those guys had just eaten too many donuts, and they were bouncing our guys all around the floor. And you could tell they were getting frustrated being out there on the front lines trying to win the tournament, which, by the way, we did. I'm thankful for that, and it's good to be able to brag about that. But after you get beat up a little while, you decide, I want to go sit on the sidelines. I don't want to be on the front lines anymore. But if we're going to go from the sidelines to the front lines, the first thing that needs to change is right there in the beginning of verse number 9, where Jeremiah says, I said, I will not. The first thing that needs to change is we need to change our made-up minds. We need to change our made-up minds. Now, here's the truth this morning. The truth is, whether you are on the sidelines from serving God, or you're on the front lines presently serving God, you are where you are because that is where you decided to be. Henry Ford put it this way one time. I believe I have the quote. We'll put it up here for you. He says, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're exactly right. Because see, it really boils down to this morning what we decide that we're going to do. And we're on the sidelines so often in our service to God because that's exactly where we decided to be. We love to use the excuse, the devil made me do it. But if you're saved, 
The devil can't make you do anything. If you're not actively serving God through missions or actively serving God through your talents, if you're not actively serving God through your resources, you're sitting on the sidelines of your service to God because that's what you decided to do. This is why Jeremiah is on the sidelines at this brief moment because notice he says, I said, I will not. Can I ask you why Daniel was on the front lines of service? Why was Daniel on the front lines serving his God and representing his God? Can I tell you why? Because you're reading the book of Daniel. The Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel was doing what he was doing. He was standing where he was standing. He was representing God the way he was representing God because that's what he decided to do. I hate to tell you this. The reason we are not serving God more faithfully in this church and through missions is because we've made up our mind that's not for us. And we have set ourselves on the sidelines saying, you know what? I'm going to let the staff do it. I'm going to let these missionaries do it. We see why Jonah was not serving God on the front lines. Why? The Bible says when God called Jonah in Jonah chapter 1, he says, I will arise and go. He says, I'm getting out of here. He decided, you know, I don't want to be on the front lines of this. I don't want to go to those people at Nineveh. He says, I'm going to sit this one out. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of Jonahs in the church today. And the reason we're not serving where we could be serving is because we have decided, I, look what he says in verse 9, I will not. You know what I wonder, and I ask myself this question, how many times have we come to the house of God, and before we ever walked in those doors, our mind was made up on what we were or were not going to do in the service that day. Our minds were made up, I'm not going to the altar My mind is made up. I'm going to come to mission service this morning, and uh, I'm going to hear about missionaries and meet some missionaries, but our minds are already made up that we're not going to give any more to missions this year or give any to missions this year. How often do we come to the house of God and our, our minds are made up? Look, if you're going to go from the sidelines to the front lines, the first thing that's got to change is your mind that's made up on what you can or cannot do. It was Jeremiah who decided, I will not. He made up his mind. This is not for me. When I was a kid, I think I told you part of this story, but I'll tell you the rest of it. I think I was seven or eight years old. I got to be in Ringling Brothers in Barnum Bailey Circus. This is, I know some of you are not surprised, but (laughs) I'm not going to say what I'm thinking about. I'm going to walk in the spirit and do my best. I was a kid, and my sister won a contest to be in the Ringling Brothers in Barnum Bailey Circus. This is before they became politically incorrect. And my sister was going to get to do tug of war with the Barnum and Bailey clowns over a slime pit that was there, out there in the center, center ring. And one of the kids that, got, that won the contest as well, I can't remember what it was for, probably smartest kid. That's when my sister was always the smart one, and she probably won it for her grades or something. And the kid that was with her wasn't able to go. He chickened out, and they said, would you like to go? I said, absolutely. You know, I've always wanted to be a star. And so... Go down there, they get us backstage, and they're telling us what to do. The clowns are going to be on the right, and we're going to be on the left. Big green slime pit that is there, and uh, we're sitting there, and they told us, okay, you pull as hard as you can, and you're going to pull the clowns into the slime, and we're so excited. Right before we walked out, they put these orange lanyards around our neck with a medallion that said Ringling Brothers on the front of them. So we immediately ushered out there. We get up on the platform, and we're pulling. And while we're pulling, one of the kids actually, when the clowns pulled back, he went out over the slime and came back in. It was, it was quite a show, but before it was all said and done, we pulled the clowns into the slime. 
But here's what was neat. After it was over, we went and sat down, and I'm sitting there looking at the lanyard that I got, you know, just proud of it. That's probably the first medal I'd ever won. It was cardboard, but it was like the first medal that I'd ever won. And I'm looking, and I flip it over on the back. And on the back of it, it says, congratulations for defeating the Ringling Brothers clowns in a head-to-head tug-of-war. Now, I just want you to notice, they put that on us before we ever went out. After I got to thinking about it, I said, do you think this was rigged? (laughs) Here I am walking back to my chair. Where would they have been without me? You know? I looked down at that thing. I said, I think it was rigged. I don't think we could have lost if we tried. The decision was already made before we walked out there to tug of war. The decision was already made that they were going to win. We were going to win and they were going to lose. How often is that the case? We walk into God's house. The decision's already been made. I'm coming here because my wife or my husband guilted me here or my mom and dad drugged me here by my ear, and that's why I'm here. But I don't plan on doing anything. And can I tell you something? You never will. You never will. You'll never be used of God in your Jerusalem. Every one of us has a Jerusalem, an area within your reach. God will never use you there. He'll never use you to help get these missionaries over to where God's called them to be. Why? Because your mind is made up, and you're sitting on the sidelines, and when the trump of God sounds, I fear the majority of his church is going to be sound sitting on the bench. Why? Because our mind was made up that this was not for us. Matthew chapter 13, turn there with me if you will. I want to show you something right quick. Matthew chapter 13, we have Christ in verse number 53 coming into Nazareth. The Bible says, and it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. Insomuch that they were astonished. Now listen what they're saying when they hear Jesus speaking. They were astonished and says, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Now remember, this is his, his hometown. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And the Bible says, and they were offended. Here's what that word offended means. It means cause to stumble. They were tripping over something here. They were looking at Christ and they were saying, wait a minute, this is the carpenter's son. This is Mary's son. This is James's brother. We're not able to reconcile how this man is able to do these things. You see, their mind was already made up on who Christ was. And they were tripping over their made-up mind. How could this man do this? They had their mind, they already had it figured out on who he was. That's Mary's son. Look, this is the carpenter's son. And watch what happened. The Bible says, verse 57, they were offended him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And watch verse 58. And he did not many mighty works there. The Bible says because of their unbelief. What were they tripping over? Why couldn't they put the dots together? Here's Christ, and he's doing all of these works. Why could they not accept him as Christ? Because they couldn't get past the fact that they had already figured out he was the carpenter's son. 
Their mind was made up on who he was. This is Mary's son. And they kept tripping over their made-up mind. They were offended by him. Can I tell you what trips me up so often? You know, I'll go to preacher's conference. I don't go to a lot of them. But I'll go to a preacher's conference, and I'm sitting there. And oftentimes, I'm going to pull back the curtain just for a little bit. I'm thinking to myself, you know, ah, who's this guy? I never heard of this guy before. You're going to go to a conference. You need to hear from something. You know, I've never seen this guy in the sword of the Lord before. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know who this guy is. And I'm sitting there with a, I hate to say it, bless me if you can attitude. I don't know who this guy is. Never read any of his quotes. Never saw any of his one-liners in a fortune cookie. How can this guy be a blessing to me today? And if I'm not careful, I will trip over my made-up mind. Sometimes you walk in the door and you say, it's Brother Jeremiah, it's still up there, isn't it? Man, we ain't got rid of him yet. How can I get anything out of that guy? Well, the good thing is you get something out of the word, not from this guy. Man, I'm glad. The word's quick and powerful, even though I'm definitely not quick and I'm definitely not powerful. We can get something from the word. But if you're not careful, you'll walk in those doors. What happened to them because they couldn't get past their made-up mind? They missed out on the mighty works of God. I wonder what God would desire to do with you this morning. I wonder what God had plans on doing in your heart this morning. Look, God knew you were going to be here. You didn't trick God and say, you know what, I'm going to wait to the last minute and walk in there. No, he knew he was going to be here. And he had something prepared for you. And God's got something, a mighty work. When God does a work, it's mighty and it's good. Aren't you glad? God had something he wanted to do this morning. But there's something in your made-up mind. You came here, and you're sitting here, and your mind's made up, and God's not going to do many mighty works in your life because you can't get past your made-up mind. Now, Jeremiah's not going to go from the sidelines to the front lines if he can't unmake up his mind. And I fear this morning this is the problem our church has. This is the problem the church all over America has. Our minds are made up on what God's going to do and what God's not going to do. We're in the last days. The coronavirus is one of the plagues. I heard a lady in the hardware store just the other day. That internet is the mark of the beast. That's why I don't have it. So I guess if we got the internet, we've got the mark of the beast. It's all over for us, I guess. The world's coming to an end. The Lord's coming back real soon. Let's just kick it in cruise control. What if it's 50 more years? Listen, get past what we've made up in our mind of what God can do and what God can't do, and let's be open to what God desires to do through us and be willing to submit ourselves to whatever it is, or you'll walk out of here just the way you came this morning. John chapter 4, he says this. John chapter 4 is where I thought I was going to preach this morning. I really did. John chapter 4, he says this in verse number 35, say not, say not ye there are four months unto harvest. He says, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, they're white unto harvest. Now notice what he said. He said, say not ye. He said, they've made up their mind. We got four months until harvest. You've made up your mind. Oh, the Lord's not coming back tomorrow. Oh, the Lord may not come back today. You know, we've got time. He says, say not. Get past your made up mind. We see in the Old Testament the children of Israel, and I gotta hurry. Look, if we have to go late this morning, let's just buckle up, because I'm gonna preach short tonight. Because you're gonna be, have just eaten You're not going to feel like it, and so I will preach short. So I will give you the time back tonight. You'll hang with me this morning, all right? The Old Testament, we see the children of Israel. The children of Israel are out there in the desert, and they die on the sidelines of the promises of God. They die there. What a sad picture of all that God prepared, the mighty works of what God wanted to do. God had something wonderful for them, but they died on the sidelines. Why? Why? 
I'll tell you why. Because their mind was closed up. Their mind was made up. The giants are too big for us. We're but grasshoppers in their sight. Their mind was made up. When the ten spies came back, they came back with a report. We can't. End of story. And their made up mind cost them the promises of God. Can I ask you this morning, are you going to trip on your way out of here over your mind that's made up of what God desired to do in your life today? I don't know if these folks realized they were going to be missionaries early on or if it was something later in their life, but God had that in the plans for them. God was going to use them in the Dominican Republic and in New Zealand and Gallatin, Tennessee. God had that in the plans for them. And I wonder this morning, by the way, where do missionaries come from? Is it a college? They come from churches. You folks are in church, right? All right, just checking, making sure. We check that out, right? Brother Brent's not here telling you. I think we check that out. They go to church. I'm going to bet you. I'm going to bet you. I'm going to wager you. If we don't bet, we wager. I'm going to wager you. They were probably in the proximity of a church service when God stirred their hearts for missions. Man, I've, uh, I've enjoyed getting to know them. Last night I got to know them a little bit. I, I got to talk to Miss Fish on the phone and this young lady going to go to the Dominican Republic and work with the, the deaf that are down there. And I wanted her to speak to our young ladies in chapel this week. She's going to speak to our young ladies this week. And I hope God stirs their heart to see it could be you. That could be the next Sarah Fish sitting over here. But that'll never happen if you can't get past your made-up mind. I can't do this. I can't do that. I didn't go to this college. I'm not famous and all that. Hey, why don't we get past what we're not and trust God before what we could be? And we'd see God do something through us. So number one, going from the sideline to the front line, we need to change our made-up minds. Look at verse 9 again. Then I said, I will not make mention of him. Before we move on, can I tell you real quick, it's not a question of what you can do or what you can't do. It's a question of what you will do and what you won't do. So how do you know? Look at verse 9. Then I said, I cannot. No, he didn't say that. He says, I will not. You know what I'm glad about Jeremiah? I'm glad he was honest. Because so often God stirs our heart to get to the front lines of either giving or going, and God stirs our heart, and we tell God, God, I can't. No, 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 the truth is we're saying, God, I won't. And that's what Jeremiah said, I will not. But look at the second thing real quick. There's something beautiful about to take place, and I'm going to hurry. The Bible says, and I says, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. Jeremiah says, I'm done. But boy, I love the next three words. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Now listen, as dangerous and debilitating as it is to have a made-up mind, it's not terminal. There's something that needs to happen. Notice what happened to Jeremiah. Even though his mind was made up, his mind, I love this, listen, his made-up mind met its match. His mind was made up, I'm not going to do this, I'm sidelined, I'm going to sit on the bench, nobody wants to hear what I have to say, I'm just going to camp out over here. But man, even though his mind was strong and his decision was made up, his mind met his match. And that's the second thing that needs to change this morning. Notice number two, the word must be allowed to work. The word must be allowed to work. 
Can I tell you the middle of verse number nine is really, if you're saved today, part of your testimony? It's part of my testimony. So what do you mean? Look, we were all living, our mind was made up. We thought we were okay. We were doing what we wanted to do. I said, I will. We were living by what we desired to do. And all of a sudden, those three words happened in verse nine. But his word. I remember the night, listen, as a kid, nine-year-old kid back in 1989, I'm sitting in a church service, and I just came to church because that's what we're supposed to do, and I enjoy playing hide-and-go-seek after church in the Sunday school classes. Don't do that, okay? I understand our kids, but some of you adults need to quit that, but no, just kidding. And I'm sitting there just going on about my way, doing my own thing, and all of a sudden, something began to burn. I don't remember what the preacher preached on. I can't remember the title of the message or his three points. It makes me feel good because I'm reaping what I'm sowing because you don't remember what I preached on either. You don't remember my three points either. So I'm reaping that in you. Thank you very much for being used of God in that way. And I remember, back right, where I was, back right, went to my mom and I says, what was he talking about? Now here, I didn't have any plans on getting saved that night. I didn't have any plans on responding to God. I was, past tense, an introvert, believe it or not. Man, I couldn't get it off my mind. Where was I going when I died? I wasn't sure that I would save. What is this guy talking about? The Lord coming back. He'd come back at any minute. There was something burning. My made-up mind had met its match, and its match was the Word of God. If you're saved here this morning, that happened to you in some shape or form. You're going about your way, doing your thing, and all of a sudden, something stuck in there. Something started burning, and boy, look, Tums wouldn't take care of it, would it? I turned 40 just a few weeks ago, and I've learned to love Tums. I really have. I've got one in my pocket here right now. Some of you folks are really driving up the Tums stock. I'll tell you that. I have to carry these around in my pocket all the time because some of you, it wasn't something that Tums would help. I had to get some relief. My mind was made up. I was a good kid. I thought everything was fine. And all of a sudden, something was challenging my made-up mind. And it was the Word of God. Can I tell you, it's the same thing happened when I started to preach. I had no intentions on surrendering to preach. I did not want to preach. Uh, I watched my dad as a pastor, and I didn't want any part of that at all. And man, June of 1995, I'm sitting there, and whew, there's that burning again. My mind was made up. I was not going to preach. I didn't mind helping out at the youth camp and all of these things, but I'm not going to do all of that. My mind was made up. Then all of a sudden, thank God, there's something more powerful than a made-up mind. It's the Word of God that wants to work. Here's, you know, know, I know you come in here sometimes, and you look up at the preacher up there, and you think, I'm not going to get anything out of him. Let me tell you what I'm glad about. I don't have the talent to change your mind, but the Word of God that we preach has the power to change your mind, but you must allow it. Listen, God's not going to invade your will this morning, all right? God's not going to invade your heart and invade your will. He's not going to make you submit to what he desires to do. He's not going to make you get off the sidelines. If you want to sit on the sidelines and the trumpet of God sounds, you can. But it doesn't mean you're not going to be challenged. That word of God challenges and it burns in our heart. Listen, this is why Paul, what did Paul say in his farewell address to Timothy? He says, preach the word. Why? Because there's a lot of people out there in your world, Timothy, whose minds are made up, and their made-up mind needs to meet its match, and they meet it through the Word of God. That night that God called me to preach, oh my goodness, I had to decide if I was going to allow the Word of God to do its work or not, and I'm so thankful that I allowed God to do His work. 
Even though my mind was made up and I didn't want to preach, I got, went down there. They had one phone at the place I was at. Can you imagine only one phone in a building of hundreds of teenagers? I don't know how we survived. We really don't. And you had to sign up to use the phone. I signed up. I went down that phone. I called mom and dad. I said, I okay. Okay. They said, okay, what? I think they were asleep. I said, I gave in to God. My made-up mind finally met its match, and its match was the word of God, and it burned. And Jeremiah says, I couldn't stay. I, I couldn't hold it off. Can I tell you, if there's any hope for your life this morning of moving from the sidelines to the front lines, you're going to have to allow the word of God to work today. Doesn't matter if you came and your mind was made up that you're not going to come back tonight. You're not going to come back Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. You're not going to give a dime to missions. Listen, doesn't matter if your mind's made up. Are you willing to allow the word of God to do the work that he desires today? Because the Bible says the word that he sent will accomplish what he sent it to. But you've got to give God the building permit or else, I hate to tell you, you're going to be sitting on the bench until the Lord comes back. I saw on TV today. I love watching the Democrat debates. All right, I'm not a super political guy behind the pulpit, but I love watching them. They're so comical, and uh, it, it really is. My daughter even got into it the other night. It was great to watch him. I saw these people out there with signs that says, feel the burn, feel the burn. And I thought to myself, you know, that's exactly what America needs, and I'm not talking about socialism. America needs to feel the burn, and that burn is the word of God. You say, well, this world's lost and it's going to hell in a handbasket. There's nothing we can do. People's minds are made up and the, the world's so intolerant. Listen to me. Every one of us had a mind that was made up at one time or another. And thank God the word of God challenged that mind. And if you're saved today, you're saved because you allowed the word of God to work in your heart and work in your life. Now, why would we hold that back from anybody else this morning? So we need to get some signs made that say, feel the burn, but B-U-R-N, not B-E-R-N. Last thing we need is socialism. I'll give you this real quickly before I give you the last point. Do you remember when Stephen was preaching? Oh, my goodness. People, listen, we don't know what hard preaching is anymore. I was being honest with you, all right? I haven't preached hard here. Look, hard preaching. You go back to what Stephen preached. Go back and listen to Stephen's last sermon. It was so pointed, they beat his brains out over it, all right? Don't get any ideas, but that's what they did to him. And Stephen gets up there and he preaches preaches his heart out, and here's what the Bible says. The Bible says they stopped their ears. Do you know what they were doing? That word of God was burning. Stephen was up there preaching the word, and I'm talking about he was preaching. Look, there would hardly be nobody back here tonight as Stephen preached. I'm going to be flat out honest with you. Stephen preached the word, and all of a sudden the Bible says they stopped their ears and started gnashing on him with their teeth. What was going on? They were burning. They were burning, and they would not allow the word of God to do the work for which God sent it to. As a kid, there used to be a thing. I don't know if they still have it. They still have Smokey the Bear. They still have that. And old Smokey would always tell you only you can prevent forest fires or wildfires. But can I tell you as a Christian this morning, only you can prevent word fires. That word that God sends to challenge your made up mind and it wants to burn and it wants to burn up that disobedience and it wants to burn up that unfaithfulness and that word's on the inside's burning. Can I tell you, you can quench the fire. That's what they did for Stephen. They said, you know what, I'm not gonna listen to this guy anymore and they just stopped their ears. Here's my question this morning. If you came here with a made-up mind, but the Word of God so challenged our hearts against what we've decided we're not going to do, would you allow the Word of God to work? 
Well, you don't understand my background. You don't understand what I've done and where I've been. Doesn't matter. Will you allow the word of God to do the work that he sent the word to do this morning? By the way, that's what the invitation's all about. We have an altar call here on Sunday mornings. It's an opportunity to respond to the word of God and allow it to do the work which God sent it. I'll tell you this, and I'll give you number three. You will never, you will never grow beyond the influence of the word of God in your life. Let that sink in just for a second. You will never grow or serve beyond the influence of the word of God in your life. So when you come with a made-up mind of what you're not going to do and you're not going to be here, I'm already making plans not to be here tonight, I'm going to be here Wednesday, and you're not going to allow God to change your mind, and you limit what the Word of God can do in your heart, you've just limited what you will do for God. That's as far as you will grow. That's as far as you will serve. You look at these super-Christians walking around. You know, they're not all the most talented people in the world, but they're people who have surrendered over their heart to allow the Word of God to do whatever God wanted to do in their life. So number two, the second thing that needs to change is the word must be allowed to work. Jeremiah wants to sit on the sidelines. He says, but his word, thank God for that. And then watch the last thing. But his word was in mine heart. It's a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. And the last point this morning really just falls right in line seamlessly with our theme. Jeremiah had made up his mind. He was going to sit, sit this one out. But the word of God began burning in his heart. And the Bible says in the last part of verse number 9, I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. The third change that needs to happen this morning in our hearts is we must get weary with withholding. We've got to get weary with withholding. You say, well, what do you mean? The word forbear is used. Notice he says, I was weary with forbearing. The word forbearing means this, to hold oneself back, especially from effort. Forbearing means holding oneself back, especially with effort. Jeremiah says, I, I just got tired. Man, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to sit on the bench and I'm trying to sit on the sideline and I'm trying to ignore all the needs of my nation and I tried, but the word was burning. And he says, I just got tired. I got tired of telling God no. And so finally, if we want to put it in the context of what we understand, Jeremiah got tired of grabbing hold of that pew. And he says, I cannot anymore. He says, I am weary with withholding from God. The truth this morning is this. We will sit on the sideline until you get tired of it. You're going to sit on the sideline of serving God and being used of God, whether in going or giving. You're going to sit on the sideline until you get tired of it. You know, when I first started playing basketball, I was 5'11". When I was 12 years old, I thought I was going to be six foot five, and that's what you get for uh, thinking because that's as far as I... I could eat my vegetables around then, I guess. And uh, I didn't know anything about basketball, but I was tall, but I didn't know the rules. I didn't know how to play, and I didn't know even though... Matter of fact, one time I even stole the ball and went to the wrong basket. I hate to say that, but I did. You sit on the bench for a while. You do something embarrassing like that, I hate to tell you, you're going to the bench, okay, for a while. After a while, you get to sit on the bench, and you're sitting there watching everybody else play, and everybody else score, and everybody else get to be on the team, and, and something starts churning in here. I don't want to be out there. 
I get tired of hearing the preacher stories of leading somebody to the Lord. I get, I get tired of hearing about Sunday school teachers winning people to Christ. I get tired of hearing about these other people. I want to get out there on the court and do something. Well, look, that's what you need this morning. Every one of us has got to get to the place where I'm weary with forbearing and we cannot stay. I'll show you a picture. Every morning I turn on my MacBook, look at my calendar, and I'm greeted by this thing. Updates ready to install. I appreciate them telling me that, by the way. Some apps could not be updated automatically. And then you have these options, install later, try in an hour, try tonight, or remind me tomorrow. Can you guess which one I pick? Remind me tomorrow. Every morning I get there, open up the MacBook, look at my calendar. They're so faithful. They are so faithful. We could learn something from their faithfulness. Whatever little lady is sending me that every morning, she's, she's faithful. And I always scroll down, click remind me tomorrow. You know, one day there will not be a tomorrow. And you will have waited too long. You will have withheld and forbeared too long. Jeremiah says, I cannot wait anymore. If we want to see revival in our country, we want to see God use us to get these folks and other folks around the world. Can I tell you what it's going, to, what's going to require? It's going to require us deciding to quit telling God no and quit telling God later. The Holy Spirit of God is like that reminder, isn't he? The Holy Spirit's even more faithful than Apple. Oh, he comes and stirs our heart and says, hey, there's some updates you need to make in your service. There's some updates that you need to make uh, in your missions giving. There's some updates you need to make in your going. And we're like, remind me tomorrow. And our problem is we're just not weary enough with forbearing. Right now, we're contented with sitting on the bench. My first job in ministry, I was a children's minister at Trinity Baptist Church in Seminary, Mississippi. And I was out playing basketball. Some of the teenagers went in. I saw one of our members go by in his van. I waved. You know, it's always good. Pastor to wave at folks. If you don't like them, wave at them. And they went by. And a few minutes later, playing basketball. Ten minutes later, here he goes again. Waved again. Ten minutes later, here he goes again. You only get three, you know. Hey, and he kept on going. Finally, we just kind of, about seven times, he passed by. He just, he's making the loop around the neighborhood. One day I asked him, I said, Brother Brad, can I ask you a question? Look, people's habits, that's your business, you know. Your eccentricities, keep them to yourself because I already think you're weird. I said, Brother Brad, why do you, why you do that? He said, my daughters, he has three daughters. He said, my daughters won't go to sleep. So we put them in the car and drive them around. He says, so I drive them around until they get tired. I said, where do you go? He said, I just make the block around the community. He just drives in circles until his kids go to sleep in the car. Boy, last night, isn't it neat how the Holy Spirit reminds you of stuff? I'm sitting there getting ready for this morning. I thought to myself, how often do we just drive around in circles? God's waiting for us to get tired. He's waiting for us to get tired. How much time are you wasting? How much gas are you wasting of your life driving around circles? God's just waiting for you to get tired. God's waiting for you to be like Jeremiah, get tired of sitting on the bench and decide, you know what? I want to be out on the court. I'm tired of being on the sidelines. I want to go to the front lines. Hey, I want to be, I want to to lead somebody to Christ. Why don't you desire that enough to be so tired of sitting on the bench that you know what? I'm actually going to put a gospel track in my pocket today. It's hard to give them away if you don't have them. Folks, I fear this morning, I really do, I fear that so many of us are sitting on the sidelines. 
And we're robbing God of our time. We're robbing. You know, Malachi 3.10, we talk about tithing. You know, when you don't tithe, the Bible says you're robbing God. Is that what it says? I think that's what it says. You read it. Malachi 3.10. The Bible says we've robbed God. We're withholding from God. I believe we rob God in more ways than just our tithe. We rob God of our time. We rob God of commitment. We rob God of our faithfulness. We rob God of the opportunity and the, uh, the availability to serve him. And we're robbing, we're withholding from God. Now, folks, I pray God works in our heart this week in this area of missions. But you've got to decide this morning. I'm going to get off the sidelines. I'm tired of hearing other people give to missions and other people being used of God. I want to be out there on the front lines. Well, here's where it begins. Number one, you need to change your made-up mind. You need to go ahead and decide right now, right now, before that piano begins to play in just a few moments, you're going to let God do whatever he desired to do in this service today. You may have came here with a made-up mind, but already the word of God has challenged your heart, and it's burning. That little ember's burning in there, and you've got to decide, are you going to stop your ears and walk out of here with your made-up mind, or let your made-up mind meet its match in the word of God? And then... You get to the place where you're tired of telling God no. And you're going to let go of that pew. And you're going to go to the front lines of going. Or you're going to go to the front lines of giving to help get the gospel around the world through missions. So here's the question. Will you leave here today with it being the great commission? Or is it going to be the great omission? And you get to decide that by whether or not you decide to stay on the sidelines. Or you decide this morning I'm going to go to the front lines. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed.